this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I'm Tom Haverstrom. Tom, season 17 is finally here. It has been an interminable wait, but we have an all-star season, which we have actually never produced. I mean, as as Pack Your Knives. This is it's it's a fascinating exercise, right? Because we actually know these people. We do. And so when I was thinking about a few weeks ago doing a preview, it hit me, Kevin. We can just do the draft right off the bat. Well, it does require a great deal of research, and we have our friends at Top Chef Analytics. We got to go back and pour through because I'm senile, so I don't even remember season three. So I had to, there was a lot of refreshment going on. And the other thing is, like, these people have been doing shit for 15 years. Like, they might be different chefs. I mean, imagine, imagine looking at the 2006 season of the NBA and then trying to discern what a rookie is going to be like in his 13th or 14th season, right? I mean, skills improve. They're different players. 
Yeah. And, and does the long layoff help or does it hurt? Are you going to get inside your own head? Is the Eric Ajapong and the Nini wins of the world going to get into this competition, get in their head and feel like, oh, I got to show out because I, I didn't win the last season and I got to really perform. Or are they going to ride that hot streak of feeling like, all right, you know, it's fresh, top of mind, fresh in my memory. I'm ready to go. I don't know. This is, this is fascinating. And Kevin, this is in your back, uh, your backyard, isn't it? This season, this is Los Angeles. I'm very excited to see which locations are used. And, and Tom, to your last point, it's not only the chefs. Are you going to have recency bias when you're drafting your team? Mm, well, we'll have to find out, Kevin. I mean, I've got my big board ready, and um, I'm. I'm excited looking at this list of, of chefs. I'm super excited because there's a little bit of a mix here of juggernauts, people who uh, perform were runner ups multiple times on Top Chef, whether they appeared on Top Chef All Stars or they came in through the back door at Last Chance Kitchen. So there's some very familiar names and then some also some people who are trying to prove themselves that an early out. Um, is not their story. That's not their legacy, Kevin. They're coming in here and saying, you know what? I don't want to be known as the one who got out in the second round for forgetting to devein my shrimp, whatever it was. I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't know what your uh, openness to a trade is, but we have. I'll, I'll just go through the run the the draft here for a second, just to back up and tell people yeah, what yeah, we're doing. Give us our little ground. We don't want to get too granular. Uh, so as not to lose listeners right off the bat, but give us uh, Tom, you're, you're kind of the commissioner of this of this thing, right. which is amazing because as a total control freak, I've yielded it all to you because you're one of the five people I would trust in the entire world um, with a system like this. But but remind us, what kind of yeah, what are we doing here? Uh, you and I were discussing offline that we didn't like last year's scoring system, and, and to our listeners, we're kind of refining the scoring system. This is an empirical exercise, right? Like. You know, we, we, we're trying to figure out the most efficient system, and it's not always working each season. We're, we're, we're refining it. So what are, what are we up to here? So we're, we draft teams, Team Kevin, Team Tom. And fantasy we, draft. Fantasy draft. We have a scoring system. We love Top Chef so much, but we also wanted to bring a little bit of competitive fire to it and give that layer of, you know, competition amongst friends so we uh we've been doing this for two years this is our third season i believe of pack your knives and we had a a scoring system just like your fantasy football or your fantasy baseball scoring system except um there's only two teams here so we're kind of going head to head and so we have um we we tweaked last year's i think we kind of overhauled last year's scoring system with our first foray we just said you know what let's just throw some numbers on the board see if it works out and then year 2 we'll really refine it well i really liked the scoring system last year except for one thing and my proposal was you know each elimination challenge you get uh 5 points for winning five points for the top three. So you get 10 points total uh, in the elimination challenge. And of course you get three points for winning the quick fire. So in a max round, your best round, if you just run the table, win the quick fire, win the elimination challenge in an episode, you get 13 points. Didn't happen in any episode last year. You get 13 points. But the reason why I won last year, Kevin, and I propose that we do this rule change out of the goodness of my heart, out of the idea of fairness in competitive sport. I want to change the final win total. When you win the finale in years past, you got 50 points. That's 
four times basically what you would win max in a round. That's a lot of points. What do you think about changing that? A lot of points. And I, this is, so th- this is my case, and I, and I appreciate your generosity of spirit. This is what I call the family feud effect. I like mm. family feud. I, it was not a top tier, but it was a strong A- minus for me in the, in the constellation of 80s game shows, having grown up in the 80s. But I always, it always bothered me that the final round, because you know you'd play like three rounds. The final round like trumped anything before it, right? Because the, 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 it, it was more than even like a triple. Like it just – it didn't matter what happened the first two rounds. You were really – it was inconsequential So because the third round was so disproportionately important. And it doesn't and, – don't you – in Family Feud, don't you win as a team for like the th- first three rounds and then you just pick someone to, to win that final round? Oh, well, yeah. The, the final round was the best. I mean that, that final – it's it's – in terms of disparity between the first twenty minutes of the show and kind of the final round, yeah. it is a it, it is it is great. Um, so you're saying those yeah. two first level two first rounds yeah. as a team mean nothing, and then the third round as a team mean you everything. can whoop that team's ass, and even if they just nip you in the third round, they win because it's just oh, yeah, that's, so that's kind of how I feel about our top chef system was. You know, fifty. Look, I appreciate you play to win the game, and so Kelsey one and she should be endowed with a, a huge uh, payoff but 50 just seems a little excessive my friend um I, you propose 25 I, I i i like 25 do we wait i mean do we want to give it a little yeah let's do 25 what do you think what, what were you thinking 30 or 20 well so 25 would equal is a finale winning the whole bag worth two and a half elimination challenges winning four six and and eight my feeling is I don't want to I don't want to go too drastic on the the reform here because 50 right. 50 is a lot. I don't think it should be 40. I don't think it should be 20. I think it you should get uh at least double um yeah, what you would and, win in a normal round. And this is right. I'm going for 25 on the following premise. By definition, if you've been surviving, you're going to continue to pick up points because you're really not just getting what you win for the finale. You're getting all the points accumulate by the fact that everybody else's ass is sitting in last chance and you're on the board. All right. So we don't want to get too granular. Uh, I'm for 25. If you like it, that was your suggestion. I second the motion. Okay. It is established. Winning the finale gets you 25 points. Winning the elimination uh, challenge gets you 10 points. Getting in the top three of the elimination challenge gets you five points. If you just survive, you're in the middle. Not the top, not the bottom. Goldilocks, you're in the middle. Not too big, not too small. If you're in the middle, you get two points. If you're in the bottom, you do not get any subtractions. You just get zero. And if you're eliminated, boom, minus five. If you win the quick fire, you get three. If you get in the top three of the quick fire, you get one point. And I think there's a last chance kitchen here. Maybe there isn't, but if there is a last chance kitchen, the rubric was if you move on, you get one point. If you get eliminated, you get minus one point. So there's not I much like not much variance there in the last chance kitchen. So that is the scoring system. I think it served us well last year, but I came back from, uh, I think it was like a 40-point deficit, and I won 171 to 163 thanks to Kelsey. And by the way, for all those chefs um, out there, if you want to, you know, butter us up with some gifts, some, 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 what was that? What was that that Kelsey sent us that was just amazing? The, uh, oh my, it was that, it was that, um, well, that, those lines, the, the puppy food, the, the puppy, puppy food, puppy chow, it was the puppy chow. That was fantastic. It was delicious. She mailed us because, you know, she's a wonderful person. She mailed us the, the snack that she served at the, at the boat restaurant wars or whatever that was. And it was, it was awesome. So that, 
you know what? She she hey, won- and Sarah sent uh, I, 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 the, 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 the kind of the UK paraphernalia, which was very cool. Yes, yes. And my wife appreciated that as a UK fan. So we, we had a, an amazing season last year. I'm curious to see how um, how this season goes. But I, I, I want to talk about the draft because the draft is I get the first pick because I won last year. This is not the lottery system in the NBA, which rewards ineptitude. It rewards incompetence by the worst teams getting the best pick. Kevin, I think you agree. The winner of the last season should get the number one pick. Reward I, I am for- totally fine. The one concern I have, and I don't recall this has happened in the previous two seasons we've drafted, there's an odd number of contestants. And I, I don't know what to do about that because just by definition, it's just going to – it it, 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 there's an, I mean, it's just not entirely in terms of fairness. Yeah. Do we want to share the 15th? Do we want to throw somebody out? Do we want to like, how do we want to do this? So I thought about this because I have the first pick, but I don't have the second pick. We start doing the, um, the snake snake draft. So I currently have the first pick. Then you pick twice. Then I pick twice. And we alternate like that until we get to 15. There are 15 chefs this year, so you would have one more chef than I will. Right, and that seems unfair. So do we want to bid over that, um, essentially haggle over that last pick? What do you, like? Maybe this is part of a negotiation in a trade. What do you think? I don't know. You have the more logical and like sort of straight-up analytic mind. So in terms of this, so I, I kind of defer to you, though I just there's something intrinsically that's like, wait a minute, someone can't have eight and the other person have seven. Um, mm. Co-ownership? Co-owner. What if we um, – what if it's a free agent, the last chef is a free agent, and it's open for a pickup in the middle of the season, but you have to give up something. So almost like we negotiate a trade mid-season – uh, maybe in like two weeks or something like that, and one of us can pick up that chef. Or, or, ha- or- I, I have an idea. Yeah, I have an idea. yeah go. I have go. an idea. A blind auction after week six, if the person is still – after week five or six, if this chef is still in the contest, you email me your bid. I email my bid. In the, so it's going to cost you points. You're going to have to literally give up points. Oh. But what do we think about this? Oh, I want to do this earlier. Let's do it three after three episodes. All right. All right. All right. All right. After three? After three episodes. So after three weeks, if this chef is still in the competition, we do a blind auction. Yes. Whoever is willing to sacrifice the most points gets that uh, free agent. All right. Perfect. Okay. This is great. This is great. All right. All right. So let's move on. So uh, 14 picks. Right now, I have the first pick. You have the second pick uh, and the third pick. I'm offering you the first pick for number two and number three. Trade call. I'm no. on the on the on no. the phone. I am offering you the number one pick for number two and number three. No, because I, I mean, I, I want. I don't want to. First of all, that's, I'm down down one. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I'm I'm losing a contestant. I'm just that's o- points in the board. I'm okay. That's fine. Tom, don't insult me. Come on. I was just saying, I mean, you might have someone at number one on your big board that you just can't live with that. You can't imagine going through PYK without this chef. So I was like the two and the three because I I like being Sam Presti, right? Like, like it's almost easier because I got a bunch of people clustered at the top. 
Mm. And if you take Greg Oden, I'm just left with, I don't, you know, I get Durant. That's, that's just fine. Did you know that over the last 10 years in the draft, the number two pick in the NBA has had a lower output, a worse output than the 13th pick in the draft? Because that's kind of wonky, right? Because like Donovan Mitchell, there have been a bunch of good 13s. Well, right? well, it's, it's there. It's the second least valuable pick of like the top 10. That's interesting. Isn't that crazy? So there's a curse of a number two pick, the Michael Kidd Gilchrist. You get into Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Nice guy. Love Michael. But uh, you missed out on Anthony Davis. Wasn't Hashim Thabit? Hashim Thabit there too. Yeah. So uh, if you want the number two pick, Kevin, you can have it. Right now it's me, then you twice, then me twice. Any trades, do you want to build in a, a, an extra pick somewhere? Or are you good I'm gonna, with- I'm gonna I'm going to play it conservatively. Do we want to just quickly run down the contestants for our listeners because not everybody goes on the top chef website to, to scout. So do we just, you want to quickly run them down, Tom, yes. just the, the straight up roster as it appears. And we don't have to go too far into the bios, just remind people which season they're in. And uh, you know, one notable fact, if you got it or if not, it's not a big deal. All right. So um, let me get this up here. Okay. So right off the top, we'll go alphabetical. How about that? I think that's smart. Alphabetical Eric Ajapong. Kevin, just a couple a line about Eric Ajapong. Beleaguered Knicks fan. <laughs> yes, he's a he's a, a really upset Knicks fan um opening and up. By a the restaurant. way, he's done more for Ghanaian cuisine in this country than anybody who precedes him, and it, it was a cuisine I fell in love with when I was over there, so we are grateful to Eric. But I want, we, we should just kind of run through them because we'll okay. get – you know, when we draft, we can do our, our kind of – Karen our, Akunowitz. Our Karen right, Akunowitz. Season 13, California, native yep. of Boston, Massachusetts. That's correct. Jennifer Carroll, who has been like a five-time top chef. She's from I mean, Philly? she's basically on staff. Yeah, <laughs> she's she is she's the Vince Carter of uh, yes. of of this competition. Stephanie Samar, I might be mispronouncing that. I am uh, not entirely sure. Also Boston, I believe. Um, from from I, it looks like she has a muffin shop in Marblehead, Massachusetts. Which, uh, yes, very much a Massachusetts chef. She was in season eleven, New Orleans. We also have Lisa Fernandez from season four, Chicago. That's a that's a that's a way back. Uh, yeah, season four, back. Chicago. Lisa, um, Kevin Gillespie. I think he has a little bit fewer hair, just like uh, I do. A little bit fewer hair on the old head. Season six, Las Vegas. Uh, Kevin Gillespie's also come back on the show for All Stars. Gregory Gordet. Season twelve, Boston. Runner up. Season twelve, Portland chef. Eaten at his restaurant. Amazing guy. Um, Melissa King. Season twelve. Wait, you forgot Jamie Lynch, whom you know. He's K, K, Melissa King. K comes before L, doesn't it? J-K-L. You know what's very funny? On the Top Chef website, they have misalphabetized. Oh, my goodness. Because I have Lich over King, which you're exactly right. I'm just like reading down the list thinking that's what you're working on. Mm. They need a little editor at the Wait, Daily do you think that? Do you think that's – do you think that means something? No, I think there's somebody very overworked in the social media department. (laughs) Melissa King, season 12, Boston. a runner-up on the show. Uh, let's see, not not a pure runner-up. I think she was like fourth. On yeah, I think she finished fourth. Yeah. Then we have Jamie Lynch, Charlotte's own Jamie Lynch, the chef at Five Church in Uptown Charlotte. 
I used to live in the same apartment building as Jamie Lynch. Season 14, Charleston, Jamie Lynch. Uh, Brian Malarkey, season three, Miami, the early days of Top Chef. Um, we also have Nene Wynn from yeah. season 16, Kentucky. Um, Nene, well, I mean, we'll talk about her later. We'll talk about Nene. Joe we got, we got. Sasto, the other Joe, not the winner Joe, but the one mustache with the mustache Joe. Joe. Mustache Joe, season 15, Chicago. Um, currently has, I think, doing pop-ups in San Francisco. Almost went to it when I was in San Francisco a couple weeks ago. Angelo Sosa, season seven, Washington, D.C., and season eight, All-Stars. Um, he also, I think he came back for another uh, Top Chef as well. Brian Voltaggio. Everyone knows Brian Voltaggio. Season six, Las Vegas. Season eight, All-Stars. Michael won it his, his year. The bro- his brother, uh, Michael Voltaggio, won it in season six. It was a showdown. Actually, season six is a big-time representation yeah. on this, this yeah. season. Leanne Wong uh, was on Last Chance Kitchen, I think, uh, recently – uh, but she was the OG season one, San Francisco, and she's come back before. Uh, it's good to see her again. And I do believe that would be the 15. Am I missing anyone, Kevin? That is it. You've got them full. Okay. So with no further ado, please make your first selection. Wait, can I get the David Stern in memoriam? The David yes, Stern? in memoriam. All of a shalom, David Stern. Um, but no, you because it. Yeah. No, but yeah, but you need to do it because I'm okay, not good at it. it. You'll do it with the first. Yes, pick. I, I can imitate an old Jew, and you can't. Okay, <laughs> with the first pick in the Top Chef season 17 All Stars, <laughs> Tom Habistro selects Gregory Gordet. Interesting. He is a juggernaut. Ten wins in season twelve. He was in fifteen rounds, so that's a win percentage of sixty-seven percent. Five of them are quick fires. Five of them were eliminations. Uh, I've eaten at his restaurant in Portland. Delicious food. There are a lot of runner-ups in this competition, Kevin. But I feel the best about Gregory. What say you? Uh, I, I think it's a fantastic pick. Um, there's a lot of green on his column. You, you have done a, a spreadsheet for us and, and kind of a, a grid and green represents a win. And there's just a lot of green on that column. That was a very competitive season. And um, I, I mean, he's as strong a number two as we've seen. Uh, I, I like the pick. I honor your pick. Um, I am very impressed. Okay, with the second pick, it doesn't sound like you had him number one, so I'm curious to see who your number one is here. With the second pick of the season three, pack your knives, Kevin Arnovitz selects. I'm going with my hometown hero, Kevin Gillespie. Wow. Atlanta, Georgia. Mm, That was my number two. You had my number two, Kevin. If you have eaten at gun show, you have gotten a glimpse of what this man is capable of. When you look at the stats, I mean, we're talking about five wins, a bunch of highs, one little low and nine. And I think that was even like a technicality team low. Like, I don't even think that was a real low. I mean, this guy was a juggernaut. Um, and, uh, you know, also with Votaggio, uh, who, who won that season six? Now it's totally it's Michael. Me. Michael won that season. I think it right, came right, down to that the was final the three. brothers. Yep. I mean, come on. That is a crazy like western conference at its peak kind of season i mean there's a reason season six is overrepresented in this competition 
And, I mean, you're talking about just a juggernaut. I think Kevin Gillespie is going to be a great pick for me. And with a third pick in the 2020 Season 17 draft, I'm going to select Nene Wynn. Ooh, wow. Now, now this is this is a shrewd pick in my opinion, Kevin. All right. Because, because, and you know this, right? Because here's what's deceptive. On one hand, you could say, Kevin, you're going to take a contestant that literally bowed out in week four, didn't even really get more than their feet wet in the competition. But this is why. It's a fascinating trajectory. This is a chef who won two of the first three elimination challenges, by the way, including the spoon bread with the shrimp etouffee sauce at Maker's Mark Distillery, where I think you have been. Mm Mm-hmm. She's only bows out because while being maybe the most brilliant chef in the competition, she don't know her ass from a hole in the ground when it comes to running the front of the house. Bless her heart. And and to me, that's just not a deficiency. That is preventable. I mean, Nini is not going to – this is not top front of the house, Tom. This is top chef. And she has learned this about herself. I guarantee you that no team that has Nini in Restaurant Wars this season is going to make the mistake of, by the way, taking one of the best chefs in the competition out of the kitchen to run a front of the house where she is not that not her strength. So as far as I'm concerned, we don't know with Nini win. We, I mean, Tom, this might be the greatest chef who's ever graced the top chef kitchen. We just don't know. But I'm going to roll the dice, man. I know I don't have – a, a row full of greens and blues and, 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 a, and a track record. And there ain't no stickers on the suitcase here. But I got to tell you, Nene Wynn is a sleeper. I'm getting a steal at number three, and I will ride <laughs> steal this. steal at number three? How do you get a steal at number three? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, Nene was four on my big board. She was four on my big board. I know who number three is, and it was a very tough call if your number three if your number three is my was my number four. This was a really I'm not gonna act like Nini was a no brainer. There isn't a lot to go by. So I'm very curious to hear who you have number four, and I would bet my lunch on it. All right. With number four in the season three pack your knives draft. Number four selection is Eric Ajapar. Eric Ajapar. I guess I was gonna say it. Like I was, I was, I was gonna jinx you because it was like that's this Nini versus Eric, Tom. Oh, I mean, that was a really hard pick, but I want to hear your uh, your rationale here. Look, Eric was someone that I thought should have won that season, um, this season Kentucky. It, I remember my jaw hitting the floor when he was eliminated from that challenge. I thought it was horseshit. Do you, okay. I, so, I, want, I want to go back here. Eric is my guy, man. I, I, I love Eric. What do we really know about that steak tartare with plantain and tamarind? <laughs> Uh, it wasn't I mean, the, it wasn't the chefs did not i mean they ain't fronting nothing and this wasn't like oh it, we can't stand to, to take one of you out i mean oh you're also deser- no, no no this was i mean he was he was cerem- unceremoniously booted and I, I know there's a lot of kind of i, I don't think there's ever been a, a maybe there's been a more controversial exit but i and now he has cooked this beautiful meal which is a story of the transatlantic slave trade i think uh, on occasion since then, and it's supposedly just just a fantastic thing. Tom, we're talking about his fufu dumpling was maybe one of the best shifts, one of the best. And by the way, a landmark dish, a dish that really elevated African cuisine. And don't forget those drumsticks at Rupp Arena. Look, Eric, Eric is. Uh, I was, I was, I was thinking you might take Eric at number three. 
I it was thought tough. I know it was tough, and I love I love the Nini pick. I told you she was number four, but Eric is uh, as strong as they come. Look, he he had a rough rough finish in in uh, season sixteen, but he was he was not in the bottom for the first like twelve rounds. Not in the bottom for the first 12 rounds. You know, he has a high floor, Kevin. And in this competition, I need to know that every time you go out to play, you're going to put up 20 and 10. And he is going to put up 20 and 10 every time he he, he shows up. So I got Eric Ajapong at number four. A um, little bit of a recency bias on our last two picks here, Kevin. Yes, Nini I was thinking and the Ajapong. Same. But um, you know what? I'll go back a little bit further here. And with my number five pick, I'm going to go with Brian Voltaggio. Mm. So Brian Voltaggio, I feel like might be the biggest name in this competition. Do you disagree? Uh, you know, it, it's very interesting. I mean, it, because we have to distinguish between Michael and Brian. He is a Voltaggio, the royal Voltaggios. Yes. He, yeah, um, the, the, he has the, come the, back oh, oh. for three times in this competition. He's been... A regular competition uh, in the Las Vegas runner-up to his brother and Kevin Gillespie. Then he came back for All-Stars. He's also done Top Chef Masters, Kevin. Top Chef Masters. That is reserved for only the champions. That is only reserved for the for the Hall of Famers, the, e- the, the NBA Top 50. And he was already in there. So... I think he's not only a seasoned chef in Top Chef, so he can do the quick fires, he can do the elimination challenges, but he also has the gravitas of being someone qualified enough to be a Top Chef master. So I kind of feel like he has the best of both worlds there. But Brian Voltaggio, interestingly enough, one of the few chefs who didn't have a quick fire win in his season, Las Vegas, did not have a single quick fire win, which, as you know, both of us were not huge. That's not going to be a huge ding, but when the margins are so slim in this competition of all stars, that might cost him. That's why he was at number five or six on my big board and not one, two, or three. So Brian Voltaggio uh, is the fifth pick in the draft. Hey, listener, it's your favorite Butcher Turn podcast producer, May, is here to talk to you about Butcher Box. A not so wise man once said, It's not that hard, just chop, chop. Who knew that he was talking about pork chops from ButcherBox? It's not that hard. It's easy to get high quality meat and seafood you can trust delivered right to your doorstep. Free shipping always. A variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. You get exactly what you need. Premium ingredients for your meals to feed your family. I know how it is. You go to the grocery store. You're stressed. You got a lot of food to get. And then you got to wait in line at the butcher counter. Maybe your butcher is a tall man with an attitude. I don't know. I've never experienced that, but maybe it happened to you. That's why I love ButcherBox. You've always got meat in the freezer or in the fridge. You're ready to cook at any time, and you're not going to find such high quality at such low prices anywhere else. So sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and use code dings at checkout to enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus $20 off. Again, that is butcherbox.com slash dings, and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S. Chop, chop! We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. 
The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Uh, I, you, I think our boards are very similar. Um, with the sixth pick in the top ship draft. I select Karen Akunowicz. Wow. Wow. Go, no, no, this no, is a no, stunner. Go. No, it's not a stunner, and I'm going to tell you why. I know she didn't stand out in season 13, which was recorded in 2015. But this is a chef who has distinguished herself in the real world. And if you've ever dined at the very love, adoring, adorably casual Myers and Chang in Boston, where she was the executive chef and won a beard in 2018 after being nominated in 2015. Now, I haven't been to Fox and the Knife in Southie, um, but I would love to try that pollo al matone, the, the split chicken with the sumac, the escarole, the rosemary brown butter. I, I think this might be one of the best chefs in the competition. Now, mm. there's always, and we, we've had this conversation, Tom, with contestants, you know, how much does overall quality of chef align with uh, quality of a co- contestant or, or acuity in, in, in top chef? It's different skills. And maybe this is a case where, She's just a fantastic chef who, you know, for whatever reason, isn't, uh, you know, isn't a top chef chef. But I, there's just too much to like here. There's just too much to like. And and I, I like it. And, and with the seventh pick, because I get to go twice here. Hold on, hold on. I want to just chime in on Karen. All right, yeah, chime, chime, chime. I, I think she's, I think she is a, a really strong pick when it comes to off the court, okay? Off the court, her resume is top notch. However, on the court, I'm surprised you went with Karen only because, like you said, she she had a good but not great run in the season's 13 Cali. But you know what? This is Top Chef Matt, uh, Top Chef All Stars. So maybe she comes in after a few years out of the game and proves that her off court credentials will live up to her on court production. So I will make a somewhat combative case here. So you take Voltaggio. One win, three highs, three lows. Now, granted, it was a different season. Maybe the competition was different. You know, Karen, a win, three highs, one low. I mean, she never, until she crapped out in week 11. I mean, look, I mean, this is not like, I, I know she finished seventh, and it was, but it was a lot of contestants. And I, and I just, I, I don't dislike the, the analytics or the, or the metrics as much as maybe you do. Um, and I just think there's growth there. This is a woman who's coming in with confidence, you know? Yeah. I mean, so if we, we add that skill, she, she was a good contestant. Then, you know what? Now, now she's got her, she, she got her beard award in the bag. She just opened a new restaurant in, in, in a, in a, in a trendy neighborhood of Boston. I mean, she's had five really good years and I think this is a confidence competition. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I like my pick. And I'm and I'm I'm sticking with it. Number seven on the PYK season three draft goes to Mustache Joe Sasto. <clears throat> Mustache Joe Sasto. I like a man who can cook a pasta in Top Chef. Even if I'm a carbophobe, um, I I I, I like this. Um, Kevin, I've seen you, know, you, you down a bag of chips in three and a half seconds. No, no, of course. And you've seen me uh, swoon at Lazy Bear. You yes. know, where, where he cut his teeth. Um, 
Eric and I fell in love, and I, I don't. I think it was his at the pumpkin and a lottie at the now shuttered Calmare, and I think that was his. Oh, dish. it's it's shuttered. Yeah, you know what's funny? It's actually not funny. It, it, it's sad. Uh, that Beverly Center just can't. It, it doesn't support high end cuisine. Like it, it just it is a space. It is where restaurants go to die. It's like to me, you put Calmare, you know on Beverly between Fairfax and La Brea. And I think it's doing fine. I, I just think that was a, that was a deadly spot. Even when I went in, I mean, we had a great meal and I'm just like, I just, were there. look in every city, there are certain locations for whatever reason, they just, a restaurant just, it, it can't support a restaurant. Um, this was just one of those well, cases. I think, I think I remember when I went to Calmer where, where he was at, um, I think they were opening a yard bird next door. Is that right? Do you Possibly. know? So Yardbird started out in South Beach with season five, I want to say. Um, Jeff McGinnis, Top Chef competitor uh, on Top Chef, opened the restaurant Yardbird Southern Comfort Food on South Beach, just like two blocks from where I lived in South Beach. And it did amazing. And so they started opening up you know, all over. They started duplicating around the country, you know, Vegas, New York, and and uh la and i do remember that it went to la and i'm curious to see if that stuck because uh it doesn't sound good the idea of, of be- no, they're, opening they're up still there. they're still i think there um you know i don't get over there that much again i mean one of the one of the tough things i mean for those who don't know beverly center's like the mall in clueless where you know uh what was her name alicia rest in peace yeah oh. where, where she's like kind of she's not alicia silverstone her her friend um who, who oh, gets like oh. kind of hung over the balcony by the stupid guys? Yes, I know. Uh, God, it's, it's I've, I've it seen Brittany? this movie. Roughly is it Britney something? Well, yeah, that- and, and the character's name is I forget, but like literally, I, I've seen this movie thirty times. It, it's a quintessential mall in Los Angeles. Um, but malls are funny places. It's not a place you think to go for that kind of meal, and um, so it's just it, it's a difficult place to prosper. I think, um, and and in Beverly Center, I'm not, it's certainly still doing well as a mall but I, I think also in even i won't say it's lost cachet but it hasn't gained any mm. well kevin we've got uh you've got your two picks there so you got karen at the six joe sasto at the seven the eighth pick of the pyk season three draft i'm going with melissa king ah i was hoping she'd hang around a little longer mm. not yeah, gonna happen kevin it's next on my board too not gonna happen. Uh, season twelve, Boston. Um, Was it twelve she, or thirteen? You might be right there. Uh, I think she was Boston, right? It's yeah, twelve, right? Uh, Is that what you said? Yeah. So season twelve, Boston. She uh, hung around the competition and then came on super strong during the playoffs. She was this uh, hang around. I thought she was she was really good. She was hanging around. She was hanging around, <laughs> and then came in. At the end, one, two, ele- around 11 and 12. She, um, look. Now, that was a little interesting, Tom. Now, let's remember, and I'm a big Melissa King fan, and I love Cantonese food. Her mom made that first dish. That that egg right. custard tart with the shiitake mushrooms, gorgeous looking dish. That was mama. But then, you're right, that next week was a magical week for her. Yeah, I, um. I think I think I'm going to be happy with this pick. I, I felt like she, I don't know if she was the best chef in that year, but come on, she was going up against Gregory, you know. So I feel like I'm I'm pretty strong 
feeling pretty good about that pick with Melissa King at um, number eight. And number nine, Kevin. Mm-hmm. This is tough. Are you feeling good about this pick here, Kevin? Like, are you, do you know who you're who you're coming up with? Eh. I'm, 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 there's a little bit of a soup here. Like eh. I'm going to go with Jennifer Carroll. It's her time. It's her Jen time. Carol. Jen Carroll. Jen, it's about time she won this damn thing. She was out in the second round of All-Stars. She went pretty deep, fourth fourth place in uh, in Vegas. She came back for Last Chance Kitchen as well uh, and was an early out on that. So Jen Carroll has a lot of reps on the show. Um, she's She's nasty when she needs to be. But I think she's uh, excellent. I want to say that Jen has probably the most experience of any of these chefs in this competition. So that counts for something. At this pick, at number nine, I'm thrilled to get Jen Carroll. Yeah, I'm a little torn about Jen and and had trouble figuring out where to place her. Um, On one hand, boy, she had a really, you know, she had a solid season in Vegas. Yeah, not exceptional, but it's solid. She comes back for All-Stars and really kind of uh, kind of got some really bad luck. I mean, remember the, they had to do breakfast for those kids at, at, at the uh, – Was it the Dinosaur Museum thing? of Natural History, I think. Yeah, it was a museum, it was a museum of natural history yeah, in New York. But, 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 but her partner, who was another chef, I forget who, cut his knife. They were going to do a scotch egg. And so now she's left holding the bag. Her partner's rushed off to the hospital, whatever, wherever you go when you cut your finger on Top Chef. And, you know, she ended up doing a braised pork belly that she calls bacon, which was really the problem, right? So mm. you could argue that, you know, she got some bad luck there. She is a pretty strong contestant. On the other hand, Tom, I, I kind of feel like if she was going to have done it, she would have done it by now. That's why she's the you know, ninth always pick, not the number it's one It's always pick. something. It's always something. <laughs> That's why she's the number nine pick, Kevin, and not number one. Look, she, just like Karen, she, her resume is outstanding. She worked under Eric Repair at Le Bernardin in New York for years and years and years. I feel like uh, I feel like fourth time's the charm. Okay. Sorry. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So what are we up to now? Number 10. Number 10. That's you me. have two picks. Yes. The 10th pick, I draft Stephanie, is it Kamar or Samar? And we will find out. And I apologize, Stephanie. Um, I, I should have done better research on this, but you're mine. And uh, and I'll tell you why, Tom. I think this is you a just love Boston. Pick. That's why. No, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had to make my escape last week. Um, I'll tell you why. Season 11 veteran. She had some nice wins. Fried Louisiana oysters with, with, with tuna and a pickled you know, tickle mushrooms and her elimination, Tom, if you recall, might be the most controversial, controversial elimination in top chef history. It was a team versus team elimination. Uh, the French team versus the Spanish team tasting menu, blah, blah. Nick Elmy, who is, by the way, whose restaurant I absolutely love. Um, Eddie is uh, Eddie Conrad over there at Laurel in Philadelphia. Great meal. And he was the ultimate winner in season 11, if you recall. What people tend to forget, though, although I'm sure Stephanie does not forget, that he had two He had the two worst dishes of the night. But what did he have, Kevin? He had immunity. Yes. So it gets bumped down. Meanwhile, 
Stephanie had a perfectly decent dish, certainly nothing that would have been, you know, already the other team has a f- effective immunity. If you took, you know, one of the things I don't like about team versus team competitions is if you have the shittiest dish on the winning team, you're fine. Uh, and in this case, she had like the third best out of five dishes on a team that lost. She gets sent home. If I recall, I think Nick was even challenged at the judges table that maybe he should give up his immunity. And rightly, he said, no fucking way. But, Tom, one of the most con- – mm. who knows what would have happened to Stephanie? Who knows? Had she advanced in this kind of – this is a sleeper pick. I'm very excited that she slipped. I actually have her much higher on my board, but I figure you might not, so I kind of played a little – Oh. You know, eh. so, Got some so, serious but, value knowing that I might uh, – I, I like it. I, I, I'm, I'm there. And um, you know, with the 11th pick, I'm going to take Angelo Soso. Yeah, that was, that was where I was going. You know, this is a guy, uh, you know, and, you know, he won a big challenge at the NASA lab. They had to make a zero gravity dish of some kind, made these beautiful looking ginger lacquered short ribs, you know, finishes middle of the pack in a very competitive uh, Top Chef All-Stars. You might remember that was the Richard Blaze winning season, Mike and Antonia. In fact, I think that was the season that you and I kind of discovered our mutual love of this show. I think that was, mm. I remember just watching that season in Miami. I, I think that was the LeBron season. We were down there together. Um, yes. That was sort of my uh, – so I, I think that's kind of when we found our, our mutual love. Um, you know, there's some other players on the board. I, I think he's cable. If I recall, he was kind of called in as the primary sous chef for – I think was it Blaze or, or Michael, one of those guys. And I think um, I think it says a lot about a chef. I'm always curious. That's always an underrated uh, part of the competition is, you know, who does that finalist take as their sous chef? I think it tells you a lot about who's actually – beyond just the general competition, who's good at this. And so I'm feeling okay about Angelo deep in the draft here. With the 12th pick, I I was going to take Angelo too. And I kind of felt like I was going to go with another experienced individual here because I got Brian Voltaggio, I got Jen, and I thought I was going to get Sosa. But you get him. Um, You know what? So I'm going to go with another person with a lot of experience here with the number 12 pick, Leanne Wong. From season season one, comes back for Last Chance Kitchen. Um, OG chef, she is, look, uh, she, I think she came back and she got pregnant or something like that and had to leave the show. Yeah, she she got sick while pregnant in Top Chef, I mean, uh, Last Chance, rather. Right. Um, You know what? I think with the baby, she's going to be a lot more... Uh, season she's going to know just a little bit more uh, perspective on things she's not going to be I'll in tell the you moment. why tom i'll tell you why you can talk experience season one blah 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 which by the way it, it, it should be noted was recorded in 1841 before oh. there were like electric appliances wow but i found this little tidbit in her bio following her top chef debut in 2006 um Lee Ann was hired as the series supervising culinary producer for the next six seasons. So this is a woman who not only has the experience of being on the pilot, essentially, and and all the rest of it, she has been integral in actually designing the show. So if anyone's going to have a little leg up in experience, I mean, she's, you know, she's coming out down from the front office to coach. Like, you know, this is Pat Riley after Van Gundy leaves Miami. I mean, this is this is Steve Kerr cutting his teeth in the Suns front office and then coming down. I mean, this is, 
you know, this is this might be the most valuable experience. I mean, she's been in the writer's room or whatever the room is called when the the people produce it. I've been on a real, I've written on a reality show. I should know this, but I, I don't remember. But um, so that's an interesting tidbit, Tom. People don't know that you uh, you wrote The Bachelor like that was your no, idea. no, it wasn't The Bachelor. It was American Candidate for Showtime. <laughs> I was Montel Williams. Yes, writer Montel. You know, like when the when the reality show Hello contestants today, your challenge is, you know, this is one of the hallmarks of America. I mean, it was it's exactly what you imagine it to be. Uh, Montel Williams, by the way, um, uh, who suffers from uh, I believe MS, uh, also has some of the greatest hot candy bars that have ever been made by a confectionery anywhere. Wow. Um, he's also a terrible poker player whom I took for much money. <laughs> Well, it turns out I'm a terrible poker player too because you knew that – you saw my cards that I wasn't going to pick up Stephanie early on. So you just waited in the, in the weeds here and picked, picked up Stephanie at number 10. Number 12, Kevin um, – or sorry, I already had Leanne Wong at number 12. Leanne, by the way, won six straight in Last Chance Kitchen before she, she went home. So I, I, I'm, I'm confident in Leanne. I, I think you might have a sleeper here. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do this. Because I'm a softie, I got to rep yeah. the 704, Jamie Lynch at number 13. So Jamie Lynch, he is Mr. No Immunity. Famously felt that he didn't deserve or didn't want to save immunity because he felt like he didn't have uh, – it wasn't, it wasn't fair in the competition. So he decided to give up his immunity going into the final round elimination and ended up getting booted from the show it should have been a death sentence and it was a death sentence i feel like if you're a creator of the show or your producer and someone gives up immunity i kind of feel like it's it's over at that point right yeah i mean he fell on his sword big time uh made that chicken satay that was one of the craziest elimination challenges ever because i just remember them all running around charleston looking for treasure chests or something like remember that as one like, does, yes, yes. And, and having been a long time, I'm basically a Charlestonian. Um, I loved that season um, in terms of the milieu. That was very cool. So but yeah, you know, you got your hometown guy. I mean, it's not your hometown, but but you know, your 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 adopted hometown guy. I got my native hometown guy. Um, makes total sense. He um he is the uh he opened up five church. He was the chef at five church, and that was the restaurant that all of the NBA players went when they were here last year for the NBA All-Star. So it not only gets acclaim from Top Chef producers, Jamie Lynch, but also the best hoopers in the world wanted to eat at his restaurant. So that counts for something. I don't think it's everything. He was the 13th pick, not the number one pick, but I do like, um, he has a a great little terrier, a dog. And I was talking, maybe even to you, Kevin, walking my dog, and I was talking about Top Chef, and I saw this dude who looked a lot like Jamie Lynch tatted up uh, from head to toe and he's walking this dog and it, sure enough, it was Jamie Lynch right there on seventh street. So it was, it was really cool to see that. Um, we've met a couple times before just uh, around town. He's uh, he's opening up a new restaurant here and you know what? I'm excited for Jamie and I'm excited that he's on my team, but with, we have one more pick, I believe. Do you have one? Yeah, more? He, he was not a bad, uh, he was a pretty good quick fire. Chef. Yes. Yes. This is pretty good. So um, I have an interesting choice to make here. All right. So just for people at home listening, we have Brian Malarkey. We have Lisa Fernandez left on the board. Both OGs from the early seasons of Top Chef. So on one hand, you got Brian Malarkey. 
I mean, eliminated in part one of the finale of season three, which I just, I got to tell you, I just don't have yeah. much memory of. Me neither. Um, been cooking in San Diego. And on the other hand, you have Lisa Fernandez, who made it all the way to the, let me pull up my notes here. She made it to the finale of season four. Um, she has one of the most interesting box score in, in Top Chef history. Uh, you know the old adage, you don't have to outrun the bear, you just have to outrun the other guy? Yep. That's what she, she finished bottom, bottom for seven straight weeks leading up to the finale. <laughs> I mean, if ever there was a hanging around, Tom, <laughs> I mean, how do you even do that? Wow. Seven straight weeks. She's, I mean, with ballpoint ink, you can just pencil her in. She's going to be on the bottom and she's not going to be at the very bottom. She just has to, she don't have to outrun the bear. She just has to outrun the other guy. And she, she outran the other guy seven straight weeks. It's incredible. We, you know, we so, we got to we got to rewatch that at some point. Chicago season five. She was in the bottom three for seven weeks, and then she got to the finals. Seven straight weeks. Um, All right. So, what are you going to go with here? I mean, part of me feels like, on principle alone, I can't take her. And if you know Brian got to the finale, I mean, he, you know, it is there? I mean, his his uh, his grid isn't all that impressive, right? What do we got here? Um, five lows. I mean, it's not like he was lighting the world on fire. He he got a win in week two. Couple QFs, you know. Um, Lisa didn't have one quick fire. She had some early. She had an early win, but I mean, these might be two of the least distinguished finale participants in Top Chef history. In fact, I challenge you to find another. Yeah. Um. This is this is difficult. Um. I tried. I, I saw Joe Flam a couple of weeks ago in Chicago at the All Star Game. Spent the third quarter watching with Joe Flam, the winner of that season. And I tried to get information out of him on this season, and I, he wouldn't. He wouldn't divulge anything. He was oh, a good these soldier. Guys, these these guys have ironclad in NDAs. I mean, like you you can't. I mean, even under like heavy North <laughs> Korean style like questioning, you couldn't get anything out of them. So he he um, he didn't divulge. I was hoping to hear that he would pop in on the season and and come in at the like on the last chance kitchen thing. But I haven't heard anything. And so I was hoping that when we looked at the boards today, that some, somehow Joe Flam's name would be on here, but he is not. And you have to decide whether you want Brian Malarkey, which is a great last name, by the way. Brian, yeah, and, and, you know what? I'll, only because it's the 2020 election, and we have, you know, we have Vice President Malarkey. Kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think I think I'm going to take Brian Malarkey. Brian it's, Malarkey. It's the year of Malarkey in public life. Brian Malarkey. You are on team, Kevin. Uh, Lisa Fernandez is the free agent. We will be revisiting at the end of season three ep or episode three to talk about whether if she is still on the board, whether we want to put in a bid to get her on our team. So, um, Kevin, you have your team. I will read your team off just for uh, posterior for, for posterity. Here we got for posterior for posterior yes. function. Yeah. The posterior uh, – for your posterior, Kevin, Kevin Gillespie, hometown guy from Atlanta, also Team Kevin, obviously named Kevin. Uh, Nini Wynn, Karen Akunowitz. Sounds like – Kevin, you've got Kevin and then you've got Akunowitz. It's like your yes. name. It's basically in, on your team. Joe Sasto, Stephanie Seymour, uh, Angelo Sosa, 
Brian Malarkey. Then on my team, we have Gregory, Eric Ajapong, Brian Voltaggio, Melissa King, Jen Carroll, Leanne Wong, and Jamie Lynch. And finally, Lisa Fernandez is on the waiver wire, free agent for three weeks. Hopefully she sticks around so that we can have an exciting draft for that uh, final ad on our teams. Yeah, I have no idea what to expect. I mean, I will say this. Slight complaint. and, and Uh-oh. I, it might seem... I mean... If it's going to be all-star... Oh, I know what you're going to say. I mean, <laughs> when I started researching, it's like... Because I, I didn't remember some of this. I mean, I think if you got more L's than W's in a in a season, unless you maybe make the finale, are you an all-star? I mean, this is almost kind of like, you know, Team USA last summer. You know, right? I, like, it's a good... It's a little bit like a little schwach, as we say in the Yiddish tradition. A little weak. All right. Here's my counter. You need a little bit of hunger. You need a little bit of the carrot. None of these people won. None of them won, right? So I feel like you need a little bit of that desperation of I've got to win it this year. So are you are you saying, are you campaigning for kind of all-stars? You have to have won or been a runner-up in your season. I mean I- – just look, at least a couple I think, winners. Right, so, so, wait, 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 wait. Like, Nini Wynn is an interesting case study. Because you look at, oh, and she finished 12th. All right. But, like, she won 67% or 50% of her, her elimination yeah. challenges. Yeah. I mean, hell, no one's done that. Not even, uh, I don't think Voltaggio or Blaze did that. You know, so, or, or Mylin. Uh, but, so, I, I think there can be exceptions if you can intellect, you know, you can just sort of intellectually defend the selection. But I got to tell you, like, if I'm looking at, yeah, one or two, a bunch of L's. You know, an L for us means low, by the way, yeah. not not a full on out. Um, you finish middle of the pack. Are you an all star? I mean, are you an all star? I mean, it just I think it's just alumni. You know, if we just think of it, Top Chef All Star as Top Chef alumni, then then call it, it alumni. Call it Second Chance Kitchen or something. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. Hey, I'm excited. I don't want to. You know, look, it's. Listen, these people have lives. It's hard to recruit contestants back. People have restaurants to run. It, it's a it's a tough ask. And you know, seventeen years down the road, I mean, how long has it been? Season one was what oh six oh five. It's been a long time. Oh four. I mean, it is. This show has been around forever. So for those who are just joining us this season, your friend, your buddy, you saw us on Twitter, and you're like, hey, my these guys that I I read for basketball and see on the jump and see on NBC. And they, they actually love top chef. Oh, I, I can't wait. Well, guess what? This season we are going to have as far as we can do it. We can have, we're going to have interviews with the contestants and it's, it's the best. It's so much fun. We're going to have not just contestants on the show. We're going to have super fans in our, in our little circle of friends, Mina Kimes. We just saw her last week in Boston. Feel like she's in for an episode. Uh, ESPN's Mina Kimes. We're also got to have Lynn Fisher on. Lynn is Lynn is my favorite person on the planet. Oh, she's great. Lynn is TopChefStats.com. She just tweeted out, Kevin, and I will. I got to share this with you. She just tweeted out, added some new insights. This is at Lynn and Tonic, a play on gin and tonic. L Y N N and Tonic. Added some new insights to TopChefStats.com today like, Kevin, get ready for this. In Top Chef Restaurant Wars, is it beneficial for your team to serve the judges first? 
she researched which teams served their meals first to the judges and whether that was beneficial. And here's what she found. In her empirical research, she found that of the 15 teams who served the judges first, 10 won restaurant wars. 10! Do we think that's because they're full? Like, why do we think that is? I, we discussed it last recency year. recency bias no, Kevin, would we suggest talk- going... We talked right, about it last remind year. Remind me because I'm senile. Last year, we went to Restaurant Wars. And remember, we kind of felt like there was a disadvantage if you were the, uh, the last team to show because it had more time for things to screw up in your restaurant. So you have a, la- a long line. Things go sideways. That's there's just right. More, so, there's yeah. just more opportunities for things to go sideways. Whereas if you're the first team, you're kind of right off the bat. There's not a long line. There's, the judges are hungry. They're not full. And I kind of feel like there is an advantage just anecdotally of serving first, right? Yeah, no, you're right. So right. This, this is, you know what, like your expediting is going well. I mean, by definition, things break down. They don't, I mean, if it start broken, you're screwed anyway, right? But if, 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 yeah, they don't see, you know, that look Tom has when he walks in and like it's just chaos and everyone's waiting. He's looking like, side to side, like, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that, I, I think that, that makes all the, uh, you know, the second, I mean, what's it, yeah. Go ahead. I'd be curious into what, what, uh, this would be a stat I'm interested in setting aside restaurant wars. You know, those eliminations, and they usually happen sort of toward the middle of the season and toward the end where, you know, two chefs come out at a time. And they, it's a, it's a seated dinner for eight. Uh, and then the next couple of chefs come out and the next, like if you're at the end of the night, are they just full or do you benefit from recency bias? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it evens right. out in the end, but I really think the the discrepancy here, the real benefit is that the longer shit happens, the longer time you have the more shit happens that can ruin your night. So I think that's why there's 10 out of 15. And maybe there's some random noise in there. I don't know. But it's it's a lovely stat. And the next one before we go, she did a breakdown of all the food prep during Mies and Plas races. And she found that the most popular uh, food that is prepped during a Mies and Plas is peeled apples. 255 peeled apples on Top Chef History. 210 peeled and deveined shrimp and 174 shocked clams. I love Lynn. This is amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm not good at, I'm getting better at like peeling apples and potatoes with my own, like with a paring knife, but I need some knife skill instruction. Like I'm okay, but that is something I could totally do better with the right instruction. Uh, my technical skills need some improvement. Well, you Tom, know what? We're going to have mean, a lot of time on our hands here, Kevin. I was going to say. Uh, I mean, obviously, the most important thing about coronavirus is, is it's going to it's going to cause human suffering, and, and we should think about that. I mean, one of the ancillary effects, of course, is that we're all home, and it's a wonderful time to learn to cook and to refine cooking, provided you can get to a market and stave off the people who think it's the last chopper out of Saigon, um, which I encountered <laughs> at Whole Foods this morning at seven a.m. in downtown Los Angeles, um, but. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting time to kind of check out techniques. I've got 35 pounds, Tom, of uh, frozen chicken in this house. 35 pounds. 35 pounds. I mean, that includes like whole birds and, you know, the bones too. But I, um, I, there's a chicken farm um, that I've actually absolutely uh, fallen in love with um, and uh, get a lot of my chicken uh, sent from there. So, so did yeah. you just like call them up and say, give me all your chicken? 
No, I order online. Um, it's called Porter in York. Uh, they're, uh, I don't know. It's a Porter in York meats. I don't even know much about them. But you know why? They have airline breasts. The airline chicken breast is like the – it's boneless except for the little joint between the, the breast and the drumstick. And my favorite recipe from the Jelena cookbook, um, Travis Lett, chef in Los Angeles, is um, – is uh, it recalls for that. So I had to look online, like who's got airline breasts. And it turns out the Porter in New York um, has it. And they're out of Seattle and, uh, or suburban Seattle. And I don't think they have a storefront anymore, but they still, they still deliver online. And man, they do some really good work. If you're looking to order like, you know, free range chicken and just, you know, humanely raised stuff, uh, they deliver uh, and it's fresh. It's never frozen. That's what's beautiful about it. That's great. Well, I yeah. can I do my plug now? Yeah. Uh, I During this show, uh, we're taping this at like 2.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday. Um, I didn't go with the whiskey. I think last year I drank some some uh, some bourbon in, in honor of Kentucky uh, during the draft. But today I went with my favorite IPA. It's called Lunch. Fittingly, Lunch. From Maine Beer Company, it's a delicious IPA, not too hoppy, super smooth, a nice ABV. Um, this is one of those things, you get a bottle of like a 16-ounce a pint, and it's $9 at, uh, on retail. It is a nice beer. Um, it's, it's my favorite IPA out there. So thank you to Maine Beer Company. If you'd like to send me lots of stuff, go for it. I love it. It's lunch. I had to do it for Top Chef, talking about food. Um, I'm feeling like Kevin... Uh, it's going to be incredibly uh, satisfying to watch this season, but it's also going to be, I'm going to kind of miss going out to restaurants. I I don't think I'm going to be doing too much restaurant going here in the next few weeks. So this is going to be my virtual restaurant that I'm going to go eat at. So I cannot wait Thursday night, Bravo top chef season 17, the season premiere. Um, I can't wait, Kevin. And looking at our teams, I'm feeling pretty good about mine, but I'm looking at yours, and man, this is going to be a battle. No, you got some powerhouses, my friend. You're uh, you're looking good. Uh, it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a really fun season. Uh, I'm dying to see what the producers have in store for us. Yeah, we don't know if we have and- any any like kind of wrinkles. Like we didn't we I don't think we know about any uh, like an early restaurant wars like last year where there were three rest three uh, teams in early restaurant wars. I don't think we know of any kind of. Uh, tweaks to this season right just that it's all-stars yeah um i don't know format but um oh by the way if you are a contestant and you are listening to us we would love to have you on the show you should hit tom up on twitter because i just stay off the platform for the most part um or you can hit me up at kevin arnabitz at gmail.com you want to give your your gmail Tom, I just, mean, have, I, I just have them on, have them hit me up on either the yeah. Twitter or I also have the, um, have, the, we have Instagram. the Instagram, we have the Instagram yeah. account, which believe it or not, Kevin, a lot more chefs on Instagram than Twitter. You know what? That's right. That makes all the sense in the world. It's a very visual thing. And also Twitter's horrible. I mean, like, yes. let's just, it's a terrible platform for miserable people. So let's, um, pack your knives yeah. on Instagram at pack your knives, uh, go follow us. 
Uh, if you want to come on the show, hit us up there. We'd love to have you. And thanks to all the fans who have been hitting us up, hoping that we'd be back for season three. We are back, and we cannot wait for season 17 of Top Chef. Kevin, take yeah. us out. Uh, for, for Tom Haberstow, this is Kevin Arnovitz, and this is Hack Your Knives. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X dot com.